0: Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Jenny Urich, I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside, and I have a new friend with me today, a friend of a friend, Kevin Chandler. Welcome. Thanks, Jenny. This is so cool. We are connected through Sam Smith, who is the author of the Green Ember series. And also he just wrote a new book with his son. That was so cool. Wasn't it, Kevin?
1: Yeah, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, he wrote a book with his son, Josiah, called Jack Zulu. So he's this author and such a personable one.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know if I've ever met someone quite so personable as Sam. And we actually just saw him a month or two ago. We went down to West Virginia last minute and it was so last minute, Kevin. I think it was maybe the night before or two nights before. And he invited our whole family over for dinner. Wow. And there's seven of us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's small potatoes for them. That's,
0: (laughs) yeah, they're a fantastic family. So he connected us, Yeah, which I'm so thrilled that he did. And I just finished reading your book, We Carry Kevin, Six Friends, Three Countries, No Wheelchair, and you have a new book for kids coming out called We Carry Kevin of the picture book in November, and you're just doing such incredible work with getting families that maybe might not be able to out on trails and to different spots in the world that maybe they wouldn't be able to see otherwise. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Yeah, of course. Thanks. This is a treat. And also the forward to your book is by Andrew Peterson. Yeah. So that's cool too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you've got cool friends. <laughs> I was like, man, I was like, Kevin's got all these cool friends. We I just saw Andrew Peterson live for the first time earlier this year and my mouth oh. dropped. It was phenomenal.
1: Yeah. yeah. How many Did you cry to be honest
0: (laughs) yeah i know yeah i totally cried (laughs) yeah his music he's just got such a depth to him so i would love for people to hear i knew i knew of you i'd heard of you before sam had introduced us but you have this story this incredible story where you went to europe (laughs) the three countries with your six friends and you left your wheelchair behind it was the first time ever that you had left your wheelchair behind so can you start us at the dream, like the dream you talked about? How you'd always wanted to go to Europe. Where did that dream come from?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm now I'm 36, no, 37. Wow, <laughs> time flies. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, we went on the trip when I was had just turned 30. And for my whole life, uh, building up to that point, I had dreamed of going to Europe, and primarily. Going to England because my dad's side of the family uh, was from England not so long ago, recently enough okay. in generations that uh, we still do, you know, tea times and stuff like that. And so, <laughs> and um, they left England and Ireland to be missionaries in South America and then ended up in the US eventually. And so I just have always dreamed of, oh, it would be so cool to go back to where our family is from and um i grew up my before i could read my sister was reading books to me um you know, c.s lewis and tolkien and a.a milne wrote winnie the pooh and peter pan by j.m barry and all these guys that turns out are british and actually alive like you know early 1900s and and i just which would have been around when our family was there and so i was like oh this is a place i need to go and mm-hmm. and as i got older there were other influences in my life musicians and other writers and different things in in church history that also called me to to france and ireland and so mm-hmm. um yeah this was kind of the the impetus if you will, all the draw to originally mm-hmm. go but i have been in a wheelchair my whole life i have um spinal muscular atrophy which Basically means the message from my brain to my muscles doesn't work that great. So my muscles are weak. And so I'm in a wheelchair and and need a lot of caregiving. And so I just kind of figured, well, maybe someday I could go to London and see some of it because that's about all that would be accessible. But uh, in 2015, a friend and I decided we wanted to explore the sewers in our hometown in North Carolina. Which is also not realtor accessible. And so we made a makeshift backpack and got some buddies together and had an adventure one night in the sewers, uh, which is a whole other story. But from that, I remember the next morning going outside and just looking up at the sky and being like, I wonder what else we can do. You know, if we survive that, what's the next thing? Yeah. And so eventually one thing led to another. And I, I wrote to that guy. And I said, hey, what if we do the same thing, but for three weeks above ground in Europe? And uh, he was all for it. And we got a few other friends together. And and yeah, that's kind of where it came from.
0: Wow. What a cool dream. It was a combination of things. Like you had that dream, but also the fact that you did that trip down into the sewer is what made you realize. And that was a pretty wild trip, right? Like you were talking about how, because you're facing out, that your face is like right at the top
1: yeah yeah because he was on his hands and knees and so my face is like right there at the ceiling <laughs>
0: and did someone say afterward that there was maybe like spiders or something down there oh yeah but you didn't know till after
1: yeah there were wolf spiders everywhere it was yeah not great but
0: <laughs> but by going on that adventure it gave you the knowledge that you could take that concept and go somewhere else so that's really cool i liked how at the end of each chapter of your book you would have the perspective of someone else Mm -hmm. and so in that sewer part philip said was talking about the feeling of camaraderie that comes with doing something out of the ordinary Mm -hmm. and i thought that was such a cool thing that you went on this sewer adventure yeah (laughs) just out of the ordinary and then it really builds your relationships in fact you have such a good community, like the community that people wish they have. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how you would do the Monday nights potluck and jam sessions. Mm-hmm. Like what, like college in, in your early 20s?
1: Yeah, it was college and post-college, kind of in a college town where if you were graduated, you hadn't really moved on yet. You had a job in town, and um, but we were all starving artists and figured, oh, I can bring some potatoes, and you can bring some carrots, and we can make a stew together. And so that's kind of that it was going on. And a friend invited me into that. And so I got to meet a lot of these guys that way. I uh, already knew some of them from the music scene. But each week was at someone else's house, and uh, a different person. And some of those were up two flights of stairs. So we left my wheelchair downstairs and carried me up and sat me on the couch or on the floor and. I think, you know, just like the sewer trip led to what else can we do? I think the sewer trip came out of that experience and saying, well, I can be carried upstairs. What else can we do? And so we went downstairs to the sewers. And I, I think that's something about life, whether you have a extreme disability or not. We all have these comfort zones yeah. that we feel safe within. And uh, I think two things. One is. Not just taking a running a leap out of it, but just take one step out and see how that goes and then try another step. And if you can go down the street to a coffee shop and you're in a wheelchair, you actually might be able to cross the ocean to another country because it comes from the same part of your heart of overcoming fear and limitations on matter of the size. But then also stepping out of your comfort zone with other people, like Philip said, It not only is easier because you're not alone and you have help, but it also builds a bond and a deeper fellowship with others that both parties need, everybody needs. Mm -hmm. So it's a really beautiful thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So you had this dream, you had a little bit of experience because you'd gone down into the sewer to think through what this might be like. Mm. And then you had a bit of a journey to actually make it happen. I think if someone comes in after the fact and they see that you have this nonprofit and you have this wonderful book with the pictures are so cool, Kevin, Mm -hmm. like in the middle and the cover is so fantastic. And you've got this book and you have a kids book coming out, but the process was not an easy one. In fact, there were Mm -hmm. parts that were pretty discouraging. Mm -hmm. So could you talk about a couple of those parts? I know you had talked about like when you were trying to raise funds that it didn't go as quickly as you thought it would. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, um I I remember sitting, uh, it was the Super Bowl, which is weird because I don't really care that much about the Super Bowl, but I was at a Super Bowl party with some of these potluck friends and uh, my friend Luke, who ended up coming on the trip to film it, um, so that we would have those photographs so we would have proof he and I were talking probably during the game because we weren't paying attention, <laughs> and he just kept saying, we were about to launch the fundraiser, the GoFundMe for it. And he kept saying, this is going to be huge. This is like, how can people not give to this? This is a a really awesome dream and an awesome project that you're inviting people into. And then like a week later, we launched it and money just kind of trickled in and, uh, and to take, uh, I think there were actually eight of us on the trip and, uh, that was going to be eight people in three countries for three weeks was going to be just a little over Mm $30,000. And trickling in doesn't really work when it's that much. And so for the first like month and a half, we weren't sure it was going to happen. And then Mm -hmm. uh, a friend got a hold of a news station and they interviewed me and literally the next morning, a national news group picked up the same interview and and it took off from there. But even then, you know, it's like, great, now we have the funding. But one of the places we wanted to go was Skellig Michael, which is an island off the coast of Ireland. And we felt comfortable ourselves doing it. But then we contacted the company that handles the tours and everything and said, hey, we'd like to buy tickets to go on the boat. And here's our situation. And they said, no, we can't do that they had a policy that if you basically everyone that came on the island had to be able to walk themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kids or babies weren't allowed older people that would need help weren't allowed. And which completely makes sense, but we're, we ended up sending them a long report and photos and videos and saying, no, look, we really know what we're doing, but there were a few hours, if not days where I was pacing the living room going, oh, man, this is the pinnacle of the trip. If this can't happen, what's it going to look like? And uh, it all worked out. And there were other things here and there that became hiccups. But there was even a moment in the trip when we had a a bit of a car accident and I uh, ended up breaking my nose. And I remember thinking, God, I did this to prove that I could. Mm. And now this happens and the world's going to be like, see, we told you. You know, this is why fragile people don't go out and do crazy things. And that's when I realized I didn't do it to prove that nothing would happen. Mm. I did it to prove that it could be done and it was worth the risk. And I also, long story short, I felt like the Lord said, also, look around you. You're not alone. And I had all these, these amazing guys with me who made it happen. You know, working together made it happen and made it worth
0: it. Yeah, that you weren't alone. They're there with you. Your nose looks great, by the way. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I was wondering. I read the part of the book and I was like, will it look crooked? No, it looks great. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, that part of the book, I thought there was a little bit of humor there because when you have the people that were writing at the end of each chapter, that person wrote I lost my driving privileges. <laughs> yes, I've been driving, it was like yeah. I fired.
1: Yeah, he, he forfeited them willingly, so it wasn't much of a fight. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, oh, so one, one of the other obstacles too was the um was Harv. Oh yeah. Your backpack, right? So you work with a company. And then you sent in for some different modifications. And when they sent it back to you, and it seemed like the timeline was like, this is coming pretty soon. Yeah. They sent it back to you and they had done some of their own things and not done what you had asked them to. So mm-hmm. tell us about HARV.
1: Yeah. So HARV was the nickname of the backpack that we used. And basically we went to REI and tried out a bunch of different child carriers and ended up on this one main, made by Deuter. and it was kind of the best base for us to work off of. Um, we knew that we were going to have to do adaptations for my needs and my size and everything. So we actually reached out to them and said, "Hey, this is what we want to do. Basically, we want to break all the rules that you've made about the backpack. Um, and uh, can you know, can you give us some advice? Can you talk us through it?" And they were awesome to work with, but they are way out in Colorado and we were in North Carolina at the time. So we found a local kind of fabrication company to uh, help us with some of the the alterations. And it was really a trial and error, you know, because this had never been done before. And so we would put together some ideas with some styrofoam and, (laughs) and go out for a walk and come back and make notes of what worked and what did not And that was I mean, several months in the works. And uh, we felt like we finally got it. We In the notes, we had it where we wanted it. And we sent it to the local company and with all the notes. And when we picked it up, it was not, like you said, it was not what we had asked for and they had done other things. And so Tom, the guy that kind of the instigator of the team, he and I went out for a walk with it just to see, just like, maybe they are onto something. So we tried it and it was really miserable. We felt very Mm -hmm. defeated because it was like a week maybe before the trip. It was coming up really soon. And we got back to the house and uh, I was visiting my my parents. So we got back to their house and my dad was sitting on the floor with a stack of styrofoam and an X-Acto knife. He's an airplane mechanic, by the way. Mm -hmm. So he can he's qualified and uh and my mom was pouring tea and uh they said all right what do we need to do like you just say the word and um over the next 24 hours or so my dad and i and and tom we just kind of workshopped it until it was right and just in time for the
0: trip that's incredible
1: yeah, so then we took that design after the trip and sent it to Deuter and said, can you make a factory version of this for us to distribute to other families who are asking about it? And uh, they've, again, they've been awesome to work with, and that's what we're doing now.
0: This episode is brought to you by Better Help. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book. Start painting that guest bedroom. Tackle that pile of laundry. Play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com 1000. That's drinkag1.com 1000. Check it out that's so cool people can partner with you well so you had two backpacks right mm-hmm. you had a backup one to harv the harv backpack harv backup backpack <laughs> that was the first one that you gave away because mm-hmm. you didn't end up needing to use it yeah and so you came back right gave that one away and now you pair people up with the backpacks in such a really cool way i was Uh, Stop me in my tracks to come to your website. It's so creative and just really special to come to your website. It's wecarrykevin.org. But then it says we carry and then there's like a line and then the names are just scrolling through like we carry Mm. and it's all these other kids and adults and families that are able to use the backpack design that you've made and to go more places and you have more experiences. Mm-hmm. So this innovative backpack design specifically for carrying individuals with disabilities. So, Kevin, if people want to partner up with you, there's a couple ways, right? Like mm-hmm. they can help to fund a backpack, but they can also sign up to carry. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you have going on.
1: Yeah. So when we got back from that trip, we were inundated with families writing to us from all over the world. And there were two main questions that were being asked. One was, where did you get this backpack? And the other was worried to get these friends? And so um, we started the nonprofit to answer those two questions. The backpack was—I'm not going to say it was easy. It was the easier of the two to answer uh, by working with Deuter, and, and so we got that figured out. And uh, we're actually on the version 2.0 now, based on feedback from families, and we are coming up on backpack number 1,000, covering 40 countries, and it's. All been word of mouth, and families write to us and they go to the website and they can purchase it. But also over the years, we've had families write and say, Hey, we can't afford this or we can't afford the shipping, whatever the case may be. And so for the past few years, we've just kind of hoped that we had donations that were coming in and so we'd fulfill those. But last uh, November, we launched a a new program and a um, like you were, you were sharing about on the website, there's something that we call the causes page. And so if a family wants a backpack but can't afford it or, or some aspect of it, we set up a crowdfunding profile for them on our website. That does a lot of things from what we can tell and, and what we hope is that it gives that family and that individual voice um, to express their need to their community as well as our community. It also gives their community and our community, the nonprofit's community that is an opportunity to participate um, by giving towards this specific person. And that in a sense builds community more around them. Um, It introduces them to friends. And uh, if you give to a specific cause, Once they get the backpack and they send us updates, we forward those to those who gave towards it. And so you kind of create these little pockets of friendship Um, and it may be local people. It may be people across the world, but you get to be connected. and, And I think it's cool because families then get to see, oh, these 10 people, five of which I don't even know, five of which I do, gave towards me having this. Experience, um, or these two people gave a a lot more, you know, whatever the case may be. And that also can spark conversation of, oh, you know, I, I was able to give towards this. And when you want to go on a hike, let me know, I'd love to come and help. Or how else can I be part of your life and your need? And I think there's really something powerful and special about inviting people into your need that's a a concept that is easy to talk about, but kind of hard to, to practice. And so inviting people to help you raise money for a backpack so you can go out and have adventures is a much more fun need to invite people into than needing a ride to the grocery store or needing help with the restroom or whatever the case. So it's um, hopefully kind of an entry point for people to try inviting people into their needs and can hopefully springboard them into a different way of thinking that. And also it's, it's a great way to get them to backpack faster instead of us mm-hmm. just waiting for funds to come in. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it's been really fun to do and, and so people can go on and, and check those out and give towards that or just share them with your own circles of, of people. Um, and then uh, we haven't fully developed the idea of connecting people um, in like a an automated way, I guess you would say on the website. But if you are interested, you can email us and say, hey, I live in this area. Are there any families around that I could connect with that have the backpack? And um, I'd love to go hiking with them. And we are happy to connect people that way. We just haven't figured out a way to do it on the website. So, mm-hmm. so we're doing a lot of that. And then we we have a membership as well. If people want to give towards the nonprofit as a whole on a regular basis, they can do that too and mm-hmm. be privy to some behind the scenes conversations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's the uh, the member of the pack. So
0: it's really incredible to think this really was birthed out of the sewer and (laughs) out of your original dreams to go to europe and Mm -hmm. here you are now giving these different opportunities i watched on youtube a couple videos Mm. where you and your wife were interviewing some different families that had gotten Mm. a backpack and one of the moms said you know my my daughter really loves the beach but it's so hard you can't to get the wheelchair through the sand and so this backpack is helping us to just go to places that we wouldn't have been able to go to otherwise. Mm. What are some stories that have really stuck out to you over the past few years? Mm.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love talking about this part because it's, I I feel like, you know, I went to Europe and went, you know, explored this old monastery on an Island. And I, uh, later the guys and I went to China and hiked the Great Wall and, and stuff like that. And so, we have our own, in many ways, epic stories. But then I get these photos and videos and emails from families that are like hiking up a volcano, an active volcano. And wow. there was a, a mom up in Ontario. She sent us the photo and just looked like they were walking across a, a white, like a snowy field. And she said, no, that's a frozen lake. And so like she's carrying her daughter on a frozen lake. and a family in russia that lives in russia and they took pictures you know at the top of mountains with just these crazy views and and so just seeing like what these families are doing that are way way more epic than i have ever dreamed and the idea that my friends and i just did that first trip for fun it was just kind of Mm -hmm. guys being guys you know we weren't really thinking ahead we were just let's have a a fun trick and this is what came out of it but on the other side of that too just as epic in many ways i think you know we've seen families who there's one in ohio who they live on a farm and every morning they carry their son out in the backpack to feed the chickens and water the goats and so they get this like quality time together with this experience that any other parent would do with their child next to them, but they they have to carry their son. And um I think that picture is on the, the homepage of the website. Mm-hmm. And there's um a family in the Philippines that wrote and said, we would like the backpack because we can't afford a taxi and we don't have a car and the bus is not handicap accessible. So if we get a backpack, we can take our child to physical therapy and doctor's appointments you know so there's there's this great practical need as well mm-hmm. um we're we're actually getting ready uh, in the next week or so to launch a, a new cause profile mm-hmm. a crowdfunding profile for a non-profit ministry that sends wheelchairs to ethiopia and mm-hmm. they want to take backpacks also as an option for the families and so getting to send those and this ministry, their um, their big focus, and I love this because I feel like it lines up perfectly with what um, our focus is, which is getting people up off the floor and giving them dignity. And so, carrying someone on your back, they're at eye level with other people, they're off the ground, they're participating in what you are doing. Um, by putting someone in a backpack and putting them on your back, you're saying. I want you to go with me wherever I'm going. I want you to see and experience what I'm doing because you matter that much to me. And um, not only does the person in the backpack feel that, but the people around you see it. And it clicks without a word, without an explanation. I've seen it firsthand. The light bulb come on from across a train station, from from across Mm -hmm. the street. People, you just see their faces kind of looking at you kind of weird. And then suddenly going, Oh, that's cool. You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I think just that, that level of uh, dignity and joy that can come from that. This is a, a fun thing that people can do and, um, and invite others into. So, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: well, one of your friends had said they had written at one of the end of the chapters that by be- being together in that way, they said that it helped them to be more grateful for things they didn't even realize they needed to be grateful for. And I thought that was such a cool thing. I, hmm. <laughs> this is always my problem, Kevin. Listen, I got like seven pages of notes here from your book because I loved it so much. And then I'm like, wait, I can't find that one spot. But, Where was that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, what was it? But you were talking about how you were ahead above mm, mm. pretty much everyone who carried you, so you got to be like seven feet tall for this trip, right? <laughs> and be able to see faces, and the faces could see you, mm. and it was probably a wild experience because, like you said, it was totally different spatially.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had no concept of time or space, and <laughs> um, the first first several times of being carried in the backpack, I I would think, oh, we're gonna. Bump into this light post, or oh, it's only been ten minutes. No, it's been an hour. Like I just, it was. I, I I was towering, and my my wife likes to point out that somehow all of my guy friends are super tall. So so not only am I above them, but I'm above everyone because of that. Yeah. So
0: you yeah. so you had a cool vantage point, and so that's just an interesting thing to think about too. Mm-hmm. To give someone a different vantage point than maybe what they're used to. Having and then I, I did I thought that was a really touching thing to say look then you're you know I well you're above eye level because if you've got your tall friends and you're above them But mm-hmm. with the other people and the responses were phenomenal people are cheering mm-hmm. they're clapping And it's really encouraging them. I think in their lives, too mm-hmm. There was a little bit of struggles of and this is an interesting thought is you know You're as close as you can be to another human mm-hmm. For an extended period of time that there were occasionally times where you wanted to be alone Mm -hmm. and you ended up doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was an aspect that I had not, I I had no forethought of going into the trip because I lived my life in a wheelchair and a power wheelchair. So I could take myself wherever I wanted to go. Every day at that time, I was uh, going from my house about two miles into the city to to the
0: coffee shop? Um, so
1: work for the day yeah, to the coffee shop and, you know, some other restaurants around there and the park. And that was just my life. And so I was very used to that sense of independence. And I freely gave that up to be in the backpack for three weeks, not realizing how much I enjoyed just having a few minutes to myself every day to, to process and, and, you know, just have that that breathing room, if you will, um, and so it wasn't until about a week into the trip that um, I realized that, and I realized that I had given up uh, one freedom for another. It wasn't one wasn't better than the other because now I could I could literally go anywhere, but I wasn't going by myself. <laughs> and so, whereas in my wheelchair I can go a lot of places, but I can go by myself, but it's limited. And so at that point, I kind of worked it out with the guys that I would, you know, once a day or once every other day, I have a little bit of time to myself. Um, but I think the moment you're talking about is when we were in the English countryside and um, we were out for what we thought was supposed to be a short walk and turned out to be a six mile walk. But it was awesome. And we went through the woods and through fields. And at one point in it, Tom stopped and we were on a hill overlooking the whole area. And he said, this will do. And uh, I thought that he just meant, you know, this is a nice area. And so I agreed. And then I realized he meant this will do to leave Kevin by himself. Uh, <laughs> and and that came from a conversation we had had months and months before um, when I said, I said, if I could walk, if I could go somewhere on my own, I would go out to the middle of the field where it would be the sky above, the ground below, and just me and God in the middle. And so he remembered that and he gave me that. And um, I got to sit on the hillside of the English country and just take in the moment with the Lord. and It was unbelievable.
0: <laughs> this will do. <laughs> I love it. This will do. And they left you when you went to the festival. They called it the swimming hole day. Right. And you were with all those musicians.
1: Yeah. So uh, my friend Ben, who was on the trip with us, that was the day that I kind of realized what was going on inside me and that I I needed some time to myself. And Ben was the one that I I don't know if I'd known him the longest, but I knew him the most because we lived really close to each other. He got me up multiple times a week for a couple of years and we just we had grown really close in such a way that You know, with with some of your best friends, you can be in the same room together and and not have to be doing anything. I think that's a a famous quote by someone that says, a friend is a person you can do nothing with and be happy. And so I, I turned to Ben at this festival and I said, I need some time to myself, but I can't be by myself. So this is not an insult, but I feel like being with you is the closest I can get to being alone.
0: <laughs> and
1: so so we uh, put me on his back and, and mm-hmm. he and I got to go for a walk and just walk around the festival and kind of take it in. And um, mm-hmm. That was really, really special. And um, just the ways that these guys sacrificed intentionally every day in the small ways and the big ways to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Just really, really made the whole experience Um, something you think
0: eating better is easy with factors delicious ready-to-eat meals every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week including calorie smart protein plus and keto factormeals.com slash outside 50 to get 50% off. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last minute get together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchap.com slash outside one twenty and use code outside one twenty to get one hundred and twenty dollars off across your first four boxes. That's code outside one twenty at goodchap.com slash outside one twenty for one hundred and twenty dollars off. Goodchap dot com slash outside one twenty code outside one twenty. What's interesting is they said about you <laughs> they say Luke said, we were sharing moments that for countless medical and logistical reasons should not be possible, and they wouldn't have been without Kevin's dream. His courage to prove the power of friendship brought us all to this place, making these memories a reality for each of us. My gratitude for the invitation exceeds my vocabulary. Mm. That makes me teary.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's, you know, that's what I could bring was an invitation into my need and my dream and And then we can see what would happen from there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, again, just going back to earlier, I think there's something powerful about inviting people in. Sometimes we serve others not in spite of our needs, but through them.
0: Mm -hmm. I found the sentence where it said, Tom lost his driving privileges. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. If we could hop onto one other concept, and I think it's an important one just for this day and age that. We are surrounded by comforts, and there's a book that came out recently called The Comfort Crisis that being comfortable feels like the end-all be-all, but maybe it's not the best thing. And you talked about this with your hiking, and you had a sentence that said, full life supersedes comfort. Mm -hmm. Full life supersedes comfort. So what advice would you give to people who are, I mean, this was a huge step that you took, who are afraid, how do you find that balance?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I would uh, actually, huh, in relation to that quote, I, I would hearken back to an earlier quote in the book, I, I think, or it was a conversation I had and it didn't end up in the book. I don't remember. But um, when we were reworking and designing the backpack, one of the guys we were working with on it, he is uh, an avid hiker. And I said, well, is this going to be comfortable for me? And he said, well, that's, that's not the measure that you need to have. We are going to make it practically safe and you're going to be supported. You're going to, you know, it's going to, it's going to hold you and take care of you, but it's, it's not going to be like sitting on your couch. He said, when I go hiking, I look for shoes that are going to give me good support, but they're not my, my slippers or my, you know, my converse, right? There's a different way to measure things. And so um, I think that we need to look at that in life, whether it's setting out on adventures outside of our comfort zone on our own or inviting people into our need. Comfort is, is not the measure that should be part of the conversation. You should, you know, definitely consider, oh, is this secure? Is this is there um, a, a level of safety here? There's always risk, you know, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I think the the beauty of of what we could potentially experience, mm-hmm. not to just requote myself, but it far outweighs the idea of comfort because discomfort is temporary or maybe temporary, but so is comfort. Mm-hmm. you know, it's it's such a fluid, Thing you can go through a day, you can go through 24 hours and experience both ends of that spectrum and everything in between a hundred times. So, why do we strive for one end so hard? Um, Mm -hmm. when there's actually much more important things to pursue, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, it's like we're so focused on it. But your hiking was not comfortable, (laughs) no, when you were talking about hiking up that this is it pronounced skellig Mm -hmm. at the end of the book. I mean, your foot was hurting so bad. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: But you still did it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. From the car accident. I, my, I broke my nose and sprained my foot really bad, which was positioned just right on that hike. that every time the guys lifted their leg to go up another step, it was turning it. and, And that was, that was rough. But, um, there was a, a moment at the top of that that hike where one of the tour guides, I overheard them say, because uh, it was a monastery for a long, long time ago, and uh, someone said, well, this this place is kind of rough. The weather's bad. There's no way to grow things. The, the houses are made of stone. They're not even houses. They're like one-person huts. And uh, someone said, like, how did they live here? And the tour guide said, "Well, these monks felt uh, they had a conviction that um, every hardship was a prayer." And I really took that to heart and realized that every time, especially on that hike, because it was everything. Uh, every time my foot hurt, every time there was a singe of pain, a surge of pain, that was a prayer because it was a a very real reminder of how much I needed the Lord and, Mm -hmm. um, and how much I couldn't do it on my own. Because if I was physically this broken from a brief and not bad accident, (laughs) like how, how fragile does that make me? And so I need someone greater than myself. Um, And so that becomes a prayer um, of Lord save me and, and, You're in charge here. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah, I think that's something we can press into.
0: Yeah. What an experience. Three weeks. And you could have never thought what would have happened after. And I love that you talked about in the book that you really fought to stay present and not think what comes next during this trip. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great reminder for everyone Mm -hmm. that sometimes we're so in the mindset of, well, what will happen after this? But that you are really able to be there and to stay in real time with what you were doing, not thinking about forward things, even though that tends to be your tendency, right? Is to think forward (laughs) and think ahead, Mm -hmm. but you didn't, and you stayed present for that journey. And then when you came back and gave that backpack to the Parker family and to Carson, then this has just taken off to do so much for other people. Mm -hmm. I love this one sentence that says, there are keyholes in life through which technology just won't fit. No matter how hard it tries, mm. it's beautiful. Just beautiful writing. I loved it, Kevin. Thanks. You always wanted to be a writer, or you always like stories? Mm. Did you always, did you think you'd be a writer?
1: Um, I've always written stories. I didn't know if they would ever lead to anything. So, <laughs> but I've I've been making up stories since I was a little kid mm. and and loving stories. And so sometimes. After college, I started actually writing them down, and then we had this this adventure, this experience, and I um, I had a very dear friend who was kind of a mentor in writing, who said he said, "Tell you what, if you write a book about it, I'll edit it," and I said, "Done. <laughs> I'm definitely doing that." So,
0: who um, oh, is that one of the Petersons?
1: Right. It, it, yeah, it is. It's
0: uh, the one who calls who called your backpack the man saddle.
1: Yeah, yeah, Pete. Yeah, yeah. So it's Andrew's brother. Um, and so yeah, he was, I, I was considering writing a book, but he was the one that kind of tipped it over the edge and, and worked with me on wording things right to, to really get the idea across. So I'm really thankful for that.
0: Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> so this is the first and then the next one that's coming is the book for kids. Mm-hmm. What's the premise of that one?
1: Yeah, so it's really uh, just a picture book version of the grown-up book that you read. So it it covers the Europe trip, um, but in picture book fashion. And we initially wrote it specifically for including in every backpack that we give away. So that when a family gets a backpack, they can read the book to their child and say, oh, when Kevin was going on this trip, here were things that he was afraid of. You know, what if what if they take me somewhere I don't want to go? What if they trip and fall? What if we get blown off a cliff, you know, by the wind and just kind of that stuff, but in in silly ways. And then saying, but Kevin trusted his friends. And here's what happened. And so we initially wrote it for those kids who were going to use the backpack. But as we were writing it and and well, and so we decided we'll self-publish it. Because uh, it's going to be a hard sell to a publisher to say, yeah, and we want to give away every copy to, you know, people with the backpack. So we self-published it. And as, as we we're bringing it together, we realized this is a story not just for people using the backpack, but this is a, a story of friendship, which we already knew, but, it, uh, you know, be, just because of our experience. But we realized the picture book conveyed that well, you know, clearly as well. So, yeah, we're, we're making it available to the public. Um, it'll be through our website. And um, okay. so, yeah, and my, my wife and I are going to do some read aloud tours next year mm-hmm. to share it with schools and churches and stuff. And um, yeah. just really a, a way to say to kids and adults, um, you know, hey, life is scary, but here's what happens when you trust people. Here, here's what can happen when you trust people but also turning it the other way around and saying, hey, you can be that trustworthy friend too. Um, you can carry people as well as be carried. So mm-hmm. um, we're excited to, to share it.
0: comes out November 15th. Was it hard to take a book that's 250 pages and figure out how to take that and put it into a kid's book?
1: Um, it was... I don't know. It's a whole different thought process, you know, and so I didn't, I guess because it's my real life story, it wasn't so much a matter of let's comb through the book and find the moments. It was Mm -hmm. more like, let's set the book aside and Mm -hmm. think about what if I was just writing this as a picture book. It's funny um, that uh, Pete uh, helped me with the grown up book and his wife helped me with the the picture book, um, she writes children's books and stuff. So, um, so yeah, just having someone to walk me through that and ask the right questions was really helpful mm-hmm. as well. And I, I learned a lot from that. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: it's basically like telling your story to a different audience.
1: Right, exactly. And that was the thing is we really wanted this story to be available to all generations, not just mm-hmm. teenagers and adults, but younger kids too. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, this has been such a treat to get this time with you. Huge thank you to Sam Smith for connecting us. People want more information, they can go to wecarrykevin.org. They can find the book there when it comes out November 15th. I got your book just online, We Carry Kevin, so you can get that anywhere. You don't have to get it from the website, but by Kevin Chandler, six friends, three countries, no wheelchairs, just the coolest photos. It was actually really cool, Kevin. I, I wasn't expecting to see pictures like from your childhood in here mm-hmm. <laughs> these are precious was it hard to pick i mean you had a whole you had a team of people doing video and photo mm-hmm. uh, was it hard to narrow down which what to put in
1: oh gosh i i mean i have a dropbox folder with about 1700 photos from that trip and so <laughs> Yes, it was, it was like there was a process of writing the book and then a separate process of <laughs> figuring out what photos she used. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, right, because you had to narrow it down to 50 or less or something here. Right, phenomenal, right. Phenomenal, and include <laughs> some of the ones from your childhood. So, yeah, this is a fantastic yeah. book. We carry Kevin, and people can come on. They can partner with different families. So many different ways to get involved with what you have going on. And do you have a – is there a movie coming or a video?
1: Uh, we have a We have a documentary which we don't have available online, but we, we do screenings of that. So
0: what's that one called? I saw something. About uh, it's it. called
1: the view from here.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Very cool. You do screenings. That's awesome. Well, Kevin, we always end our podcast with the same question and I, this is a really fitting question, especially because you're helping kids get outside in different ways, maybe that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Hmm. What is a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside?
1: Ooh, from outside, um, <laughs> so the first one that comes to mind is uh, I'm, I'm working on a, another book right now that is about what we've been discussing, which is that uh, inviting people into your need. And the first chapter of it is all about a childhood memory of my uh, my dad was digging the uh, the what do you call it when you're going to put in a, a house and you.
0: The you foundation. Dig. Yeah.
1: The, there, thank yeah. you. The foundation. He was digging the foundation for our, our family room that he was adding on to our house. And I was maybe uh, six or seven somewhere in there. And uh, I remember at the end of the day, I grew up in North Carolina and sitting on the edge of the new hole in the ground, uh, playing with my matchbox cars Uh, just sitting next to my dad while he um talked to the neighbor and um there's something there was something about being like my my dad did this you know and and it's like quality time together um i have a a lot of memories of uh our backyard and um especially with my dad there's uh one that this that we carry coming starts with yeah uh, that's similar of Um, getting to to throw a rubber band airplane because my dad lifted me high up Mm -hmm. into the air and um, so I could be high enough to to throw it so um, Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of a lot of good memories in our backyard with my dad it's
0: beautiful well Kevin thank you I know that people listening in are so thrilled to hear your story and hear what you have going on and just hope that they partner up with you we will too and can't wait to see what comes next. The Even though I know you want to live in the present moment, but it is exciting <laughs> <laughs> to think about what's coming next, a picture book and, and this book like you're talking about. So thank you so much for taking this time to be here with us.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It's been fun.